Welcome to everyone here and those of you watching online later or listening to our sermon podcast. We are in a Lenten series focused on the I am statements in the Gospel of John. These are important statements where Jesus reveals the fullness of who he is to the people of God. He said, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. You might remember that the I am statements from Jesus have a direct connection to the Old Testament revelation of God when God calls himself I am, the God who always was and always will be. It's a defining revelation in the Old Testament book of Exodus. God comes to lead God's people out of exile. God's name defines who God is, eternal and unchanging. And Jesus's I am statements in the Gospel of John directly connect his divine identity as the Son of God. Today we explore what Jesus meant when he said, I am the bread of life. In the ancient Mideast, bread and grains were thought to be about 50 to 70% of the daily calories of the diet. Similar to places in Africa if you include starchy roots, Bread is literally life, as well as an ingredient for a PB&J sandwich. I'm reminded about the importance of bread in agricultural societies, and I remember an experience that I've shared before. Years ago, I was in Ethiopia with a team in a rural village at a school that my church was supporting. We showed the Jesus film. That's a film that's been translated into hundreds of indigenous and uh, indigenous and rare sometimes languages. It was quite the community event. All the people from the village came to see it. Many had never seen a film before. This remote village had no electrical power and they were astonished at the video as well as the content, amazed at seeing the stories and miracles of Jesus that they had heard uh, told to them. But what do you think was the most amazing miracle? Do you think it was the healings or the miracle of Jesus raising Lazarus from the tomb, walking on water? Nope, nope, and no. It was the miracle of the multiplication of the loaves and fish. All of those loaves appearing, they oohed and they awed. Like people in Jesus' time, these folks had known famine. They had known scarcity. Abundant bread made an impact. Abundant bread meant life to them. And the miracle of Jesus multiplying the loaves and fish is shared in all the Gospels. And we find it in the Gospel of John right before our passage this morning. So pray with me before I read that passage for us. Dear Lord, through your Holy Spirit, inspire our understanding of your Holy Word. Lord, guide my speaking so that we may have our hearts and minds enlightened, all for the glory of our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So listen to the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 35 to 40. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet... Do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and anyone who comes to me I will never drive away, for I, is, I have come from heaven, 
not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing at all that he has given me, but raise it all up on the last day. This is indeed the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in him may have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Bread was an important staple and a symbol of God's care. This morning, Gretchen read for us from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, and this is the story of God's miraculous provision for God's people in the wilderness as they fled from exile. Manna was a daily bread-like substance that they collected every morning. It was their daily bread, physically sustaining their bodies in the wilderness. It was miraculous, but it wasn't lasting. They had to collect more each day. Centuries later, in Jesus' time, this story of manna from heaven was a symbol and a reminder of God's steadfast love for the people of Israel. So why was manna such an important symbol and miracle? What's the importance of bread? God lovingly created us and knows how we're formed. We're vulnerable bodies that need nourishment. We need daily food and water. We're fragile bodies around eternal souls. And Jesus affirms our need for daily bread as he teaches his friends to pray that prayer. You know the one. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you know what's next. Give us this day our daily bread. And that's the one prayer for provision in the whole Lord's Prayer. Jesus says he's the bread of life. He is the son of God. He is fully one with the creator, source of all goodness and nourishment. The people of Israel imagined that there might be a repeat of this miracle of manna from heaven, that it would be a sign of the expected Messiah come to save them. It was a sign, but not in the way that they expected. Jesus said that he's bread from heaven, Many Jews were scandalized by Jesus' claim to be from heaven, for such a claim is to be the Messiah. And they were further scandalized as Jesus said that the bread of life was his flesh, and they are beyond scandalized because Jesus comes from heaven, a miracle like manna, but with a difference. So those surrounding Jesus had deep connection with the idea of bread, deep layers of meaning and symbol. They had seen the amazing miracle of the multiplication of those loaves and fish feeding the crowd. And then for us, what is our context? Reading these words 2,000 plus years later during our observance of Lent. And remember what Lent is, that time of reflection, 40 days remembering Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. We remember Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness, his time of reflection and temptation. And do you remember a connection with bread? You might remember the story after Jesus is revealed as God's own son, then he's led into the wilderness to be fasting for 40 days. And here we find Jesus' intersection of his divinity with the frailty of his human body, fully divine, fully human, a human body that needs sustenance. 
Jesus, fully human, was famished in the wilderness. You might remember this story in Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led up, into the, led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Tradition holds that the Mount of Temptation, where Jesus grappled with the devil, is this peak in the wilderness. I visited it with our pilgrimage group. Here's a picture of that desolate place. And you can almost see the rocks on the side of that cliff. Imagine Jesus in this dry, lonely place, tempted but focused on doing his work of sacrifice and redemption for humankind. Jesus' signs and miracles point to his plan to feed us, to sustain us with lasting life. Jesus' plan is to absorb all the sin of the world and to feed the deep hunger of the world with his perfect divine self, all despite the suffering of his human body. And we remember this sacrifice every time we gather at the communion table. Here's a picture of the communion table that our pilgrimage group had in Israel, not far from the Mount of Temptation, set on a rocky surface. And throughout the world, people gather to recognize Jesus as their Savior at communion tables. His life feeds us, and his grace brings us eternal life. For us, we gather at a communion table once a month, today. But it's more than a monthly ritual to remember Jesus as the bread of life. It is to embrace the sign and symbol of a daily and eternal grace. Jesus is the bread of life the source of salvation feeding us. And we're invited to respond to that offer to feed our hunger in two ways. First, as fuel and nourishment for our ordinary lives, with gratitude and grace receiving that. And secondly, as formation for our eternal souls. So first, how do we understand this nourishment of daily bread for our ordinary days? We people who perhaps don't work the land, perhaps don't find ourselves hungry and finding scarcity of bread. We're invited to remember that all food that nurtures us is a gift from God, but there's more than just passively receiving this bread. My friend, New Testament scholar Mark Roberts, has some great reflections on bread that have stuck with me. He says we need to remember that bread is a product of work, Jesus uses the products of work to signify himself and the redeeming power of his pending death. Bread doesn't just happen. Bread requires a sower and a reaper. Someone has to take the harvested wheat and grind it into flour. Then someone took this bread and kneads it into dough, kneading it, baking it, serving it. So the bread that Jesus uses to point to his sacrifice is a product of human work. Jesus chose symbols that existed through a partnership of nature and human work, our labor. He didn't choose wheat and grapes. He chose bread and wine or juice. 
So whatever our daily work is, it is bread making. It is using the resources of the earth. No matter how remote we feel from the production of actual bread. Because even if your work is mostly thinking with other people, even if it's virtual, even if it's work of the mind, your daily work is tied to God's gracious gift of this earth and its resources because you are of the earth. You are dependent on daily bread. It's not merely a product of your efforts, but it's a partnership co-creating with Jesus, forming your heart in the process. Daily bread, you get to participate in the making of your bread, participate in work that contributes to your bread, never forgetting that it is by God's grace that you have these resources and this capacity to work in the world. So receiving our daily bread isn't passive, and it isn't a solo invitation either. Our table should be broad. Jesus says he invites everyone. Everyone who comes to his table is not to be driven away. Thus, everybody's bread should be our concern. Everybody's bread is important. We are invited to notice those neighbors who are food insecure, those who don't have enough to eat. I know our missions committee does a great job of leading us with opportunities to help, but there are many ways to find ways to share your daily bread. I read yesterday that emergency aid for families, that CalFresh program is ending next month. Many more hungry people will be relying on food pantries, and you could support those pantries. Our daily bread is linked to Jesus' grace, to our daily work, to the food on our tables, and the food on our neighbors' tables. But at a deeper level, Jesus is the bread that feeds us for eternal life. How do we consume this bread, and how do we respond? We seek to develop an appetite for the word of God. That's what we do. We remember what Jesus said to the devil. One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus was quoting that verse from Deuteronomy that we read this morning, because there's a deeper food, a living bread that transcends our loaves of bread. Jewish tradition connects the idea of God's word with the bread of understanding and wisdom, manna for the people of God. Those who heard Jesus describe himself as the bread of life, they knew this ties back to the idea of God's word as the true bread of understanding. Jesus is the word of God made flesh, the true bread of understanding. You might remember those words in the beginning of the Gospel of John. The Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. So how do we feed on the bread of life, the true bread of understanding? I love what Eugene Peterson wrote in his book called Eat This Book. <laughs> Christians feed on Scripture. Holy Scripture nurtures the holy community as food nurtures the human body. Christians don't simply learn or study or use scripture. We assimilate it. We take it into our lives in such a way that it gets metabolized into acts of love, cups of cold water, missions into all the world, healing and evangelism and justice in Jesus' name, hands raised in adoration of the Father, feet washed in company with the Son. So I ask you, church, my friends, are you feeding on scripture? 
I'm challenging you and I'm challenging myself too because we're to be people of the word. We must feed on God's word so it can be metabolized into acts of love. I love that image. This isn't optional. Of course, there's many ways to do this. There are daily devotionals and such. I like apps. I like pray as you go. But particularly at Lent, friends, we need to read God's word. Read the Gospel of John. We'll be here all Lent in the Gospel of John. Feed your soul. Start tonight. Read a chapter a day. If you don't have a Bible, get one or ask for one. We have some in the narthex if you don't have one. Because we have two levels of nourishment. Our body needs daily bread, but our soul needs the nourishment of the Word made flesh so that it can metabolize in our hearts, in our very being. So as we go to the table together, and as we thank God for our daily bread, let's seek to let the rhythm of our daily nourishment and our daily work remind us of God's grace through Jesus and let it feed and form our souls. May we seek the bread of life, the promise that came down from heaven through Jesus, who invites us to draw closer and to dwell with him forever. Shall we do that, church? Amen.